Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Natural. We are living in a generation and we are living in a time where people are not hearing about the supernatural moving of the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that you are made for the spiritual realm, that God made you in the spirit before he made you the natural. The Bible says that he made man in his image and then fashioned and formed the man. So before you were even formed your human body, you are a spirit being. God made you as a spirit and you are a spiritual being. And I'm telling you, it is time to get the supernatural back. Come on, somebody say amen tonight. The supernatural back in the American church. It is time to get deliverance back in the American church. It is time to get healing back in the American church. It is time to start preaching and sharing and talking about the supernatural realm. The days of us living as natural Christians are over. You are not made to live in the natural realm. You are not made to live in the usual realm. You are not made to live in the normal realm. Your weapons were not made in the natural realm or the normal realm. God has given you supernatural weapons. How do I fight a supernatural battle? I have to become a supernatural Christian. Thank you guys for all the donations coming through. I'll read through all of them at the end. I have to begin to live my life in the spirit realm. When I'm praying, I'm impacting things and shifting things in the spirit realm. When I'm preaching tonight, I'm impacting and shifting things in the supernatural realm. I'm not coming to speak to your intellect. I'm not coming to speak to your mind. Come on, share this stream. I am coming to speak into the supernatural realm that there is power when we worship. There is power when we pray. There is power when we prophesy. I believe there is a remnant and a generation of supernatural Christians that are rising up in our day that are going to pray, preach the gospel with supernatural power, that are going to heal the sick with supernatural power, that are going to cast out devils with supernatural power. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living a natural life. I'm tired of going to natural services. I'm tired of being at natural churches. I want churches that are led by the spirit. I want churches that are not going to manage the presence of God. I want churches that are going to host the presence of God. God wants to invade our houses. He wants to invade our communities. He wants to invade our churches right now. So many people are searching for answers. This entire world is looking for the solution, is looking for answers, is looking for hope. What what is the answer with this whole pandemic? What is the answer to the struggles I'm going through? What is the answer to the confusion and the chaos that right now is happening all around us? If you don't know, guys, you're wondering, why am I shouting and why am I preaching like this? Because there is an urgency right now. There is an urgency in our hour for the body of Christ to rise up. There is an urgency for us to begin to preach like we've never preached. There is an urgency for us to begin to walk in holiness and the supernatural anointing and the power of God and begin to bring the solutions to this world's problems. I know the answer is Jesus. We know that Jesus is the answer to our communities. We know that Jesus is the answer to our nation. And it's easy to say that, but sometimes it's just more complicated than telling the world that Jesus is the answer. See, I was just reading this last week, the prophet Habakkuk 
Habakkuk, who is in a day that like that we live in right now. He lived in a nation of constant violence. Anytime Habakkuk turned on the news on CNN or Fox News, it was another shooting. It was another crime. It was another suicide. It was another rape, another divorce, another abortion, another homicide. Every time he looked at God's people, he saw God's people in captivity of their own in their own disobedience, and he knew that God had to do something in his generation. See, Habakkuk was not was not casual. He was not okay with business as usual. He was not okay with his world breaking down and saying, "Wow, that's just how our generation is," or "That's where we're living at in this nation." Habakkuk said, "I have to shift something. I have to change something." And he began to ask God a question that I believe a lot of us right now are afraid to ask God. He began to ask God a question that I believe right now we're afraid to approach God with. And he says, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? Where in the world is God when I turn on the news? Where in the world is God when I look at my broken situation? Where in the world is God when I look at broken humanity? Where in the world is God when I see the shootings and the millions of people in starving nations? He literally began to complain to God. And this was the word and this was the cry of his heart. And some of you have had this cry. How long should I cry out for help when you do not listen? This is the prophet of God crying out and praying and say, Lord, why is it that when I pray for change, it feels as if I never see change? Why is it when I pray for my marriage, it seems like things are just getting worse? Why is it when I pray for my family, I wonder why nothing is changing? He's asking God, where are you? He said, I cry violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? And this is what he said. He said, the wicked far outnumber the righteous and justice has become perverted. He said, we are living in a generation where it looks bleak. It looks like nothing is going on. It looks as if God is ignoring our cry. Come on, somebody help me in the comments tonight. Come on, everybody right now, share this stream. This is an urgent word for this hour. It looks as if God is ignoring my prayers. God is ignoring my cry. Have you ever been in a place where you are praying and you feel like God is not listening? Have you ever been in a place or through a situation where it feels as if God is nowhere to be found? Have you ever got a bad doctor's report or had lost kids? And the more that you pray, the worse it gets. And if you were to be real tonight, I know a lot of preachers aren't real. I know a lot of Christians aren't real. But if you were to be real tonight, if you were to be honest with yourself, you would say this thing, and I'm telling y'all, this is okay to say, and I know pastors are not saying this, but this is what the prophet cried. You would say, where in the world is God? I serve at my church. I come to all the meetings. I'm in every live stream. I tithe. I fast. I pray. But sometimes it feels as if the Lord, okay, I guess I'm the only one tonight. Sometimes it feels as if the Lord is nowhere to be found. Sometimes when I look at my situation, sometimes when I look at the sickness in my body, sometimes when I look at the ministry that isn't growing or it's regressing instead of progressing, come on, share, 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 share. It feels as if God is nowhere to be found. Habakkuk, I got news for you tonight that this is the way that God responds. You are not alone. You are not the only one that right now in our 
our nation is saying, God, come on, let me know. Hit one in the chat if you've been praying, saying, God, what in the world is going on? I've been praying and praying and praying, saying, Lord, what is happening? Are we at the end of the age? I'm seeing all this division and all this lawlessness and all the sickness and the pain and the hurt. And I'm saying, Lord, what in the world is going on? But you got to understand because the Lord is not idle. See, Habakkuk accused the Lord of being idle in his generation. He accused the Lord of not moving in his generation. But the Lord is not idle. Friend, I came to tell somebody that's been raised in a dead religious church and you thought your whole life that God was idle, distant, far off, and not active. The God that we serve is not an idle God. The God that we serve is not indifferent. He's not up in heaven right now saying, oh, I'm just going to let them figure out what's going on. Our God is a God that is moving. He's a God that is active. He's a God that is in our midst. He is Emmanuel, the one that dwells among us. And here's how the Lord responds. I'm telling y'all, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm about to do a backflip right here because I feel the word of the Lord. The Lord responds to Habakkuk and he says, look around at the nations and be amazed for I am doing something in your day, something that you would not believe even if somebody told you about it. Friend, I came to tell you in 2011, if you would have told me about what God was doing today in my life, I would not even believed you. God said, Habakkuk, I'm doing something so much bigger that if somebody even told you about it, you would not believe them. I came to tell somebody that God is getting ready to do something in your life that you're going to look back a year from now and say, if you would have told me that God was going to do this, I wouldn't have even believed you. Is there anybody tonight ready for unusual, unbelievable miracles? I want an unbelievable miracle to break out. I want a miracle that when I tell people, they would say that is only by the hand of God. That is only by the mercy of God. See, I know that you're sick in your body tonight, but I'm getting ready to do something that you wouldn't believe. Even if somebody told you, I know you can't see your call, but I'm getting ready to do something you would not believe. Even if somebody told you, come on, Lori Victor, this is a word for you. I'm getting ready to move in a way you've never experienced. I know that your marriage is falling apart. I know that he's leaving or she's leaving or there's divorce papers right now on your table. But the Lord says, I'm getting ready to move up in your life and you're not even going to believe. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. The move of God that is getting ready to break out in your life. You're not going to even believe the fire that's getting ready to break out. I know America looks gloom, but I'm starting awakenings in this nation. And if I showed you what I'm getting ready to do now, you wouldn't even believe it if somebody told you. I'm talking about ridiculous miracles. I'm talking about unusual miracles. I'm talking about something we've never seen before. See, all over the news, they're saying, well, we've never seen a sickness like this before. We've never seen riots like this before. We've never seen violence like this before. We've never seen division like this before. And the Lord is saying, it's not just the world that's getting ready and has not seen this before. But he says, I'm getting ready to do something in my church. And they're going to say, we have never seen this before. The way God is, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody help me preach tonight. The way that God is 
moving in the young people. Come on, Jim, help me preach. We've never seen this before. The way God is healing people's bodies, we have never seen this before. I prophesied that pastors are going to begin to call me up and say, Isaiah, when we open our churches back up, we're seeing what we've never, ever, ever seen before. People are walking in and falling out in the power of God. People are walking in and getting delivered by the Holy Spirit. People are walking in on the, getting on their knees crying, saying, Lord, forgive us. I'm telling you, I'm ready and I'm a, we're about to see an unusual wave of revival. Some of y'all don't believe this. Some of you might click off, say, oh, this is just hype. But friend, I'm telling you that if you're that one that's hungry, if you're that one that is desperate, God says, I'm getting ready to use anybody. I'm getting ready to use anybody that is willing. See, it's no accident that you started coming into these streams. It's no accident you've been learning how to do deliverance. It's no accident that we're teaching this Tuesday night on the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's no accident that God is raising up a remnant in the earth. It's no accident that more people are hearing the gospel right now than ever before. I'm telling you, God is doing something amazing. I wonder if there's anyone in the chat tonight that has a testimony that if 10 years ago someone said, Isaiah, you're going to be saved. You're going to be on fire for God. You're going to be praying hours per week. I would say you got the wrong person. You've lost your marbles. I don't want nothing to do with that Jesus stuff. See, what you got to understand is I didn't have Jesus on my agenda, but Jesus had me on his agenda. What you need to understand is I didn't have revival on my calendar, but God had revival on his calendar. And I didn't understand that God was preparing me from 2011. God was beginning to move and beginning to shake. Nicole, I'm telling you, tonight is your night. God is getting ready to do something like he's never done before. And I hear the Lord saying, I'm preparing some of you. Some of you wonder why all the pain has been happening. You wonder why all the hurt has been happening. You wonder why you've been in a season of transition. But God is saying to you tonight, I had to move some stuff around. I had to move some stuff to position you in the right place. I hear the Lord saying, and I'm just prophesying here tonight. The Lord is saying that you've been crying about that relationship you lost. But God is saying the season I'm trying to bring you into will not work with that person. So don't cry over them. Stop crying over the people that left you. Stop crying crying over the church that you don't go to anymore. Stop crying over the people that walked out of your ministry. The Lord is saying, I'm getting ready to bring you into a new place. I'm getting ready for a new season to break out in America. And I believe the American church is going to lead the charge for what God is going to do. I believe that God is going to do a new thing. See, he told Habakkuk, you got to understand Habakkuk. You're looking at America. You're looking at your community and you're looking at your city. But the problem is is you're small-minded. And he said, I want you to see I'm about to do something you wouldn't believe. He said, but I need you to look at the nations. In other words, get your head out of your little bubble because what I'm getting ready to do, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. What I'm getting ready to do is bigger than you and your church and your ministry. It's bigger than California and it's bigger than America. He says, I want you to look at the, na I want you to look at the nations in your day because I'm getting ready not to to do it tomorrow. Come on, Holy Ghost. 
I'm not getting ready to do it tomorrow. I'm not getting ready to do it in a hundred years. He says, but I'm getting ready to do it right now. I'm talking about a right now revival. I'm done waiting around for some evangelists to come to my church and come lay hands on me and put oil on my head. I believe that we are in a right now move of the Holy Spirit. I believe that we are in a right now revival. I believe that it is the best time ever to be alive because as the darker the world gets, the brighter the church is able to shine. See, what you have to understand about the light of Christ is that I feel like preaching tonight is the light of Christ is not powerful when it's around light. The light of Christ is not magnificent or doesn't shine when it's already in the light. If I turn a bright light on in a bright room, it's only going to have a small impact. That's why you don't turn a flashlight on at, when it's sunny outside and say, wow, look how powerful this flashlight is because it's the darkness that makes the light shine brighter. And that's why the Bible says that gross darkness will cover the earth, but there will be an outpouring and a move and the glory of God will cover like the oceans cover the, I'm telling you, there's a move of the Holy Spirit that's getting ready to break out in darkness. Now's not the time to be afraid. Now's not the time to shrink back. Now's not the time to get weary. I came to tell somebody that you have another round in you, that you tried to throw in the towel, but God is throwing it back at you and say, no, 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 you will make it. You've been getting tired. You're going through anxiety, depression, and stress. And you're saying, I'm never going to make it out of this prison that I'm in. And I came to tell somebody tonight that there is a prison break that is getting ready to happen tonight, that there is demonic bondage that is getting ready to break, that you've been in bondage and you've been tied up for years, but God has the key to every prison cell. There is no sin that is too strong. There is no chain that is too tight. There is no prison that is too dark that the light of Christ cannot break into. I'm going to teach you something tonight that's going to change your life. It is one of the most prolific prayers that you can ever pray. What should the church be doing right now? in the hour of crisis. This is one of the most prolific prayers that you will ever pray. And it's as simple as this. And this is not a prayer that we often pray as pastors. This is not a prayer that we often pray as believers. This is not a prayer that we often pray as the body of Christ. And it's this one, it's a one word prayer that lets God know we can't do this without him. And that prayer is help. Sometimes the most powerful prayer prayer you can pray is not some elaborate prayer where you go off for 15 minutes prophesying, declaring, decreeing, and establishing, but sometimes the most powerful prayer you can pray is when you just say, Lord, I need help. America needs help. Sometimes when you don't know what to pray, all you need to pray is H-E-L-P. Lord, I need help in my body. I need help in my business. I need help in my ministry. I need help in my marriage. I need help in my keys and with my kids. I need help with my stress and with my anxiety. See, some of you are not getting divine intervention because you're not asking for divine intervention. But the Lord is saying, who is willing in this generation to ask for help? Who is willing to say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I need you to understand and believe that God wants to do it right now. We are living in a 
generation where people believe now y'all better shout me down because this is an honest to god thing happening right now and it's driving me nuts People are believing right now everything that they read. Every few hours, there is a new article. Come on, y'all. Don't leave me hanging here. There is a new article that contradicts the previous article. How many know what I'm talking about? Every hour, I could go on the news, and there's another article that contradicts the article that I just read, whether it's about riots, whether it's about coronavirus, whether it's about racism, whether it's about the American church. I don't even know what to believe because every hour, there's some Something new being said on the news every hour there's another article and so many people right now have a syndrome and it's called believe whatever they read syndrome y'all know what I'm talking about let me know give me a one if you know what I'm saying every few hours there's a new article and we believe everything we read instead of actually doing research and it's amazing the days we live in because you don't even have to turn the news on these days you actually have to turn the news off because every text message every Facebook ad every Instagram post Every Reddit post, every Netflix ad, every little pop-up and every little thing is constant news shouting at you, trying to be gripped by fear. And I'm all for the news. I watch the news and I look at the news every single day. But my point is we have to stop believing everything we read. We don't look at evidence. We don't fact check. We don't use common sense. We believe everything we read. Now, I'm about to hit you right now, so I need you to get ready. We as believers believe everything we read except for the Bible. You believe all the stuff that you read online, but you don't believe the stuff that's in the word of God. You you read CNN, you read Fox News, you read fake Facebook articles, and then you read your Bible and you believe all of the hoaxes and conspiracies and this and that and this is that. And you have all these ideas and you know, the earth is flat and aliens are coming. You have all these ideas and then you read your Bible and say, I don't really know about all that. You're completely fine believing in aliens. You're completely fine believing the earth is flat. You're completely fine believing COVID was made up in a lab by some person. You're completely fine by the government watching you when you eat, watching you when you sleep, watching you through your cell phones. But then you read about that we have the power to heal the sick. Come on, don't leave me hanging here. You read about the fact that we have authority over demons, that we've been called to do deliverance, and you're just not really that sure. You read that we're called to live a wholly consecrated life and you're just iffy about it. People don't even believe that Jesus is coming back anymore. People don't even believe that God can deliver anymore. People don't even believe that it takes lay down everything to be saved. And I'm here to tell somebody that if we believe everything that we read, it's time to start reading our Bibles. See, understand my life comes out of alignment because I'm aligning with what the culture is saying and not relying. I hope somebody's taking notes. I need to, I hope my wife is taking notes because I'm region good tonight. We align our lives with what the culture says about the current events instead of what the kingdom is saying about current events. Come on, share the stream. But understand that your marriage will never work out. Husbands, listen to me. Your marriage will never work if you don't have a relationship with God's word. Your finances will never stabilize or be blessed if you're out of alignment or out of order with God's word. Your ministry will never function properly if you're not in alignment with God's word. I can't be in alignment if I don't know it, and I can't know it if I don't spend time with it. I got to spend time in the word of God 
so that I could align myself with what God's word says. It's amazing because you would never in a thousand years, there's not one person, there's 400 and something of you on here right now. And there is not one of you listening to me tonight that would walk by a vending machine that says out of order and put your hard earned money in the vending machine. That Your life is out of order and you think God is going to invest into you when you're not in order. Come on, somebody help me. I said, if you're not going to put money into an out of order vending machine that's broke down why would God invest his Holy Spirit and his power in you when you're out of order how can I expect God to bless my mess I need to get things in order in my life so that God can have somebody needs to tweet this so that God can have the ability to use me it's not a question of can he save me the question is can God use me because God can save anybody God can save the gangbanger the drug addict it, the prostitute. God can save the liar, the cheater, the fornicator, the thief, and all the other things. But the question isn't, can God save it? Is that, can God use it? And am I available? Some of you are not available for the use of God. Some of you are too busy for the use of God. And I want to ask you this question tonight. Well, I'm in my intro, okay, 35 minutes in. How can he use you to establish his kingdom in the earth if he can't even establish his kingdom on the inside of you? Let me say that again for some of y'all sitting in the back tonight. How can he use you to establish his kingdom on the earth because that is what you're called to do if he can't even get his kingdom established on the inside of you? You are trying to be the king of the kingdom and there is only room. There's never been a kingdom since the beginning of time till now. Now, we don't understand this because we live in a democracy and a monarchy and all these other uh, things and we don't understand the way kingdom works but the way kingdom works is there can only be one king in the kingdom and I want to tell somebody loud and clear I hope y'all have me turned up tonight God is not going to come off of his throne because you still want to rule and reign in your life oh come on God is not going to come off of his throne so that you can be your own king if there's two kings in one kingdom it will create a war and some of us are constantly at war with God because we're fighting to be the king of our lives there oh I feel the Holy Ghost tonight come on y'all is this good preaching tonight there is still too much of you in your marriage there is still too much of you in the way that you talk there is still too much of you in the way that you handle relationships there is still too much of you in how you talk to people at work and this is why Paul says I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I I I that live but it's Christ living on the inside of me now I'm going to say something that you're not going to like to hear but now that Christ is living on the inside of me I'm not authorized to be angry come on somebody needs to help me tonight I'm not allowed to hold grudges against people I'm not allowed to be bitter the way I used to be I'm not authorized to treat people poorly it is amazing how many pastors I've looked up to and I followed for years and I read their books and I watched their preaching and I got to preach with them and I was so excited to preach with them and after we go to dinner after the service and if I told you how many pastors I could name that don't know how to treat their waitress properly that don't know how to leave a proper tip I'm going you're not allowed as a believer to treat people poorly no matter what they do you know if you ask there there was a survey taken of all these different waiters around the country and they said what is your least favorite time 
time to work and they synonymously throughout the country and I have family members okay in the chat that are waiters and they said synonymously the number one time waiters request off and they refuse to work is Sunday morning after church they said because Christians are some of the rudest they're some of the ones that don't tip they're some of the bitterest angriest rudest people there is and I'm telling you as a believer you are not authorized to be rude to other people you are not allowed to be racist if you are a believer you are not allowed to be lukewarm if you are a believer you are not allowed to lash out or be frustrated at people or treat people poorly if you are a believer I have been born again some of you say Isaiah well you don't know what I've been through but what you have to understand is that you were born again well I was born this way and that way yes but you weren't born again that way you've been dealt a new hand at life and I'm telling you that God will not fill you if you're not in order I need God to fill me I need my time to be full of God I need my conversations to be full of God I need my marriage to be full of Jesus I need my kids to be full of Jesus I need my agendas to be full of Jesus I need to make room so that Isaiah could move out see there are situations I get in where I see the old me and I say oh there's that Isaiah again I got to kill that man I got to crucify that man because the world should not be able to see you they should only be able to see Christ and until we fill our entire lives up with Jesus we will live our life going from deliverance to deliverance but never walking in dominion that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 when an evil spirit leaves a person it goes into the desert it seeks to find rest but finds none and then it says I will return to the person I came from so the demonic spirit Jesus said in Matthew 12 returns and finds the former home empty swept and in order and the spirit finds seven other more evil spirits than itself and they all enter the person and they live there and that person is worse off before and Jesus says this will be the experience of an evil generation See, the house was empty and in order, but it was worse off than before because it was not full of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, let me tell you the issue of our generation is that we want God to heal us, to deliver us, to save us, to change us, but we don't want him to fill us. See, we want Jesus on our Sunday morning, but we don't want Jesus on our Wednesdays or our Thursdays or our Fridays or our Saturdays. We want Jesus on the Wednesday night hour and a half watered down service uh, but we don't want Jesus on our Saturday nights when we're trying to get our get our thing going in the club uh, we want a partial counterfeit watered down Jesus uh, that fits into our home temporarily but our home is not full of Jesus this is why we go from deliverance to deliverance to deliverance uh, and we never actually listen to what God is saying to the church uh, and this is why Jeremiah the prophet in chapter 7 uh, says my God God is speaking through Jeremiah saying, but my people would not listen to me and they kept doing whatever they wanted following their own stubborn desires and evil hearts. And they went backwards instead of forwards from the day your ancestors left Egypt till now I've continued to send prophets to try to speak to you, but you will not listen or hear them. You have been stubborn and sinful. God is saying tonight, don't just hear the preaching, but I want you to actually listen to the preaching. Say, I'm, I'm I'm not just going to hear what Isaiah is saying. I'm going to apply the things he's saying to our life. Change does not happen when you hear something. Change happens when you listen to something. Wait, what do you mean? You didn't you didn't know hearing and listening 
are two completely different things. That's why Jesus said, my sheep don't just hear my voice, but my sheep listen to my voice. I could tell my daughter who I could hear out right now, probably making a mess. I can tell her a thousand times, justice, clean something up and she will hear me, but she won't actually listen to me. See, I'm not impressed by the fact that my daughter hears me. I'm impressed when she actually listens to me. How do I know if I'm hearing the word and not li- and but or listening to the word? When you hear the word, you don't apply it. When you listen to the word, you actually apply the word that you heard. And God was saying, my people hear the preaching, but they don't actually listen to the preaching. They keep doing whatever they feel like doing. If I want to be angry, if I want to watch that movie, if I want to go to that place, if I want to treat her like that, if I want to talk like that, if I want to act like that, if I want to live like that, who are you to tell me what to do? And the Lord says, because you were rebellious and you didn't listen, he goes, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send prophets and they're going to preach to you because you're stubborn and you're worse off than the previous generation. Here was the principle the Lord was given. He says, every generation is getting worse. And instead of progressing as a nation and a generation, we're actually regressing because now we live in a church culture and y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, where everything is acceptable. We live in a church culture where everything is okay. We live in a church culture where there is no line anymore. There is no standard any longer. Everything is blurred and everything is gray and everything is cool and we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to step on anybody's toes and we don't want to deal with anything and we don't want to call sin, sin anymore. And here's the problem when you stop calling sin, sin. When you remove the penalty of sin, you remove the necessity of the cross. Let me say that again for some of y'all. Help me by sharing this stream. When you remove the penalty of sin, you remove the necessity of the cross and if sin is no big deal, then what do we need the cross for? What do we need the blood for? If there is no hell, if there is no sin, if there is no compromise, if there is no holiness, I don't need the power of God working in my life. I don't need the grace of God working in my life. And so because we have a generation that doesn't want to preach on the consequences of sin, if you didn't know, the Bible says for the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There is a penalty to our sin. And the Lord says, because the people are not listening, I'm going to speak to them through prophets. And God says to Jeremiah, now I will make this nation a desolate land and I have, I I will destroy everything. Why is the Lord doing this? Because he's, they have rejected the word from the prophets. They have rejected the word of God. And there is no different than the generation that we live in. We live in a generation that does not want anybody to tell them what to do. We live in a generation that does not want to walk in holiness. Even though Paul tells us in second Timothy chapter one, verse nine, that God made you to live a holy life, not because you deserved it, but because it was his plan. Understand that God's plan for your life is to live a holy life. His plan, oh, I came to preach to somebody. His plan was not for you to be addicted to drugs your whole life. His plan was not for you to walk around depressed all the time. His plan was not for you to be angry and bitter and constantly hurting the people around you. His plan was not for you to deal with suicide or deal with confusion. His plan was not for you to live constantly sick in the hospital. His plan was not for you to hear voices and have nightmares every night. His plan, the Bible says, according to Paul, talking to Timothy, was for you to live a holy life. This was the life that God intended for you to live. Isaiah, what is my calling? I'm glad you asked. Your calling is to live a holy life. It's to live a set-apart life to God. Well, Isaiah, you don't understand. You don't know my upbringing or the hand that I got dealt in life. 
Here is the best thing about the gospel. God gives you a brand new hand and the hand God gives you in life is a hand of hope. It's a hand of purpose. It's a hand of joy, of freedom, of power, of transformation. I wish somebody would have preached to me the way that I'm preaching to you tonight. I wish somebody would have told me, Isaiah, you don't have to live depressed. And thank you, by the way, for everybody that is sharing. Isaiah, you don't have to live with anxiety. Isaiah, you don't have to live in prison. See, I think a lot of believers have thought that God wants them to live in a prison cell, is that God wants them to live a normal life, but you are called to manifest his kingdom in every sphere of influence that you have. It's not about just receiving all the time when I go to church. It's not about receiving all the time when I go into these live streams. It's about what can I get so that I can give. You are not in that family or at that company by accident. God put you there by purpose. Maybe you're at that high school for more than just getting good grades and having a spot on the sports team. Maybe you're not working that minimum wage job. Maybe you're working it for more than just a paycheck. Maybe God gave you that supervisor position more than just so you could have a raise. Maybe you're not working at that hospital just because it's a good job, but because there are people sick there that are waiting for you to lay hands on them. Maybe you're not working at Walmart just to make minimum wage, but you're working at Walmart to save the loss. Maybe God has you as a school teacher right now so that you can bring God back into the school districts. Maybe God didn't put you in that construction company so you can build houses, but maybe God put you at that construction company so you could build people in Christ. God didn't put you at that McDonald's just so you could flip burgers, but he put you at that McDonald's McDonald's so you can flip people's lives upside down for the honor and the glory of God. God did not anoint you and bring you this far to let you die now. I came to tell somebody you are alive for such a time as this that we don't need to wait around until the rapture happens because God is saying now is the time the king now is the time to break out of every demonic harassment. See, understand the enemy has trying to harass you. He's trying to get you to slow down. He's trying to get you to quit. He's trying to discourage you and get you to give up. And by the way, thank you for everybody sharing and everybody donate. I'll read all of them and hang out with y'all at the end. I'm telling you, there is an assignment that the Lord has been showing me that has come against the body of Christ. It's an axe chapter 12 assignment against the church where the Bible says and Herod was reaching out and vexing the disciples now understand the devil was not attacking the disciples because they went to church on Sunday y'all better hear me tonight the devil was not attacking the disciples because they were a part of a Christian club the devil was not attacking the disciples because they prayed a five minute prayer at an altar the devil was not attacking the disciples because they tithed he was harassing them, hear me, because they were establishing a new supernatural kingdom in the earth. Let me explain to you why the kings of cities would gather on their walls and the disciples, watch, listen closely here, who were broken, who were beat, who did not have much money and didn't have any political power. They had no weapons and no chariots. Yet the disciples would limp into the city. Listen to this. They were beat down, broken, broken bones, stoned, whipped, and they were 
were bruised and weak men and they were literally limp into a city, limp into a city and the kings and the rulers who had thousands of chariots, had thousands of dollars, had enough power to take over entire countries would sit on their walls and look at the disciples limp into the city and this is all they could come up with. The men, I feel the Holy Ghost, the men that are turning the world upside down have now entered our city. Why were they so afraid of the disciples? It was the demonic powers and spirits on the insides of the rulers in the city that recognized the disciples were bringing a supernatural kingdom with them. See, when you're at work, you're not bringing a flyer to your local church. You're bringing a supernatural kingdom that is on the inside of you that is waiting to be released. And that kingdom is a culture. It's a lifestyle. God is establishing a supernatural kingdom. Your mission on this earth is not to get out of bed for a career. It's to get out of bed for a calling. And your calling is where could I establish the kingdom of God? Now, listen, I'm not telling you if you're not up on tables preaching, you're not saved. I'm not telling you if you're not at Walmart laying hands on everybody, you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. I'm literally setting the bar so low. And all I'm asking you to do is wherever your sphere of influence is, is to establish the kingdom of God in your sphere of influence. So if your sphere of influence is you work at Starbucks, okay, what is my job at Starbucks? It's to establish the kingdom of God at Starbucks. What is the kingdom of God? What what does it mean to establish? the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus said, pray my kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. Let me explain what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, there's no demon, demonized people in heaven. So he says, I want you to make your sphere of influence, your atmosphere. I want you to make it just like it is up in heaven. So if there's no people that have demons in heaven, then I want to make your sphere of influence demon free. He says, okay, Isaiah, there's no sick people. There's no cancer in heaven. So if there's people at your work, people at your school, people at your job that have cancer. He goes, here's your job. Your job is to establish the kingdom because in the kingdom, there is no cancer. Okay, Isaiah, there's no lost people up in heaven. There's no lost people up in the kingdom. He said, so I want you to make sure at your job, at your work, in your family, nobody's lost around you, that you're preaching to everybody. He goes, I want you to establish. So your mindset is not, oh, I'm just some poor Christian coming into my local church or I'm just a poor Christian coming to school. No, 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 no. My mindset is I am an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and my job is to establish a government on the earth right now, wherever I go. I'm not saying you have to walk the streets. I'm saying, where do you work? Are you sharing with the people? Are you getting people and saying, look, I want to tell you about God. I want to lay hands on you. I want to pray for you because here's the thing. When the kingdom of God comes, demons run. When the kingdom of God comes, miracles break out. This is why Jesus said when a demon cat is cast out, surely you know what happens. The finger of God or the kingdom of God has now come upon that place. So we go and we establish the kingdom of God. And that's why in Revelation, it says one day the angels will sing the kingdoms of this world. Man, this is a good preaching tonight. The kingdoms of this world have now become the kingdoms of our God. How did the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. Is Christ going to come back and establish a government? Yes, but understand we are the ones that are converting the kingdoms of this world into the kingdoms of our God. This is why the enemy does not want you to open up your mouth. He's afraid of losing territory. This entire thing is about territory and Herod is harassing the disciples because they're gaining supernatural territory. Remember, people are burning millions of dollars of witchcraft books. Paul was bringing such crazy revivals 
that the idol makers, think about this, y'all. The idol makers were going out of business. The guys that made wooden and stone gold idols were going out of business because everybody was getting saved and nobody bought idols anymore. I'm believing that there will be an establishment. Let me prophesy to those that are hungry tonight. I'm believing that there will be an establishment of revival in your life that all of a sudden bars begin to shut down, not because of an economic crisis, not because of COVID-19, but bars begin to shut down because they say on Friday nights, there's nobody wanting to come in. We have about three people coming in and I don't know where all everybody went. I'll tell you where everybody went. Everybody's having revival and getting saved in their homes. From this is what happened to my friends and my family. My friends begin to come to the revival because they said, where's everybody at? The parties are where the parties are empty. My brother's wife testified saying the parties are empty. There's nobody at the parties. Well, yeah, because there's no one at the parties because all the party people were going to prayer meetings and getting delivered from this is how I started in the ministry. All my party friends begin to get set on fire, getting delivered, getting demons cast out of them, getting healed of their issues. And they didn't want to party anymore. And the parties begin to shut down. And I'm believing for a revival like the book of Acts, where things begin to get shut down, where bars begin to shut down, where strip clubs begin to shut down, where adult bookstores, I don't even know if they have them anymore, but if they do, those begin to get shut down. I'm believing right now that we are going to begin to shut down the kingdoms of this world and we are going to establish the kingdom of our God. Now, they were being persecuted because of their faith. When was the last time, I'm talking to myself tonight, that we were persecuted because of our walk with God? I mean, we we talk about persecution now in America, and our persecution as believers in America is getting made fun of on Facebook. But I'm telling you right now, I don't know if you've been reading Christianity today, but you need to go read. Right now, and I see Roy Hale. Roy, you know what I'm talking about. Right now in Africa, there are hundreds 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 of believers being burned alive right now in Africa. You can go find this right now. There's hundreds of believers in churches being burned alive by terrorist groups. Some of you have read about this and I'm saying, where is the mainstream media coverage of this? Where's the mainstream media when hundreds of believers are being burned alive for the gospel? Where's the coverage? I'm telling y'all, there is a price to following Jesus and we in America, and I'm preaching to myself tonight, we know nothing about the price because we follow a cheap gospel that we have created in America and most of us will never get persecuted because nobody at work, school, or in our homes even knows that we have a walk with God. I'm telling you, if we are not facing some type of opposition or persecution, maybe it's possible that we don't have the faith that we think we have. I'm telling you right now, the enemy has been harassing the church because the church is getting ready to come into their finest moment. Some of you might feel like the devil is messing with you for no reason. Understand in this chapter of Acts, the word vex, here's the Greek word. I'm not going to go all deep into the Greek because I'm a firm believer that we don't need to preach in Greek and Hebrew until we start listening to the word of God in English, okay? Some of you are like, oh, I want to hear it in Greek and Hebrew. And I'm going, you don't need Greek or Hebrew. You need English. You don't even obey in English, let alone the Greek and Hebrew, okay? But the word vex means to for the devil to mess with you for no real reason. But understand something. It's because the enemy gets nervous. It's because we're doing something for God. It's because we've been a threat to his kingdom. So 
I want you to take it as a compliment when you go through hell. I want you to consider a joy, the Bible says, when trial comes. When the enemy stretches out his hand to harass you, it's time for you to stretch out your hand to harass him. The Bible says that the devil was reaching out his hand and harassing the disciples, but the Bible also says that the disciples were reaching out their hands and healing power was flowing through the disciples' outstretched hands. It's time that we lay hands on the sick and harass the devil. You got to understand the devil hates when you witness. It harasses him. He hates when you mention the blood of Jesus. It harasses him. He hates when you clap your hands. It reminds him of the hammer hitting the nails into the hands of Christ. Every time we praise and every time we worship and every time we shout, hell begins to shake. That's why I love seeing the sick healed because I know how mad it makes the enemy. That's how I love seeing people delivered of addiction because I know how mad it makes the enemy. That's why I love seeing people get saved because I know the enemy is losing another soldier. You need to be the type of Christian that the devil can't stand. You need to be the type of Christian that makes the devil nervous. Come on, help me by sharing the stream here tonight. You need to be the type of Christian that's on the enemy's radar. The Bible says that Herod had James killed by the sword and remember James and John were brothers and John their mother prayed that they would have a special place with Jesus and Jesus said honey here's the problem you're praying and you don't know what you're praying for because I'm about to get murdered and you're praying for your kids asking for them to come with me when you don't know the drink that I'm about to drink and the cup I'm about to have to take and you need to be very careful with what you pray over your kids I pray over my kids all the time. I was just praying yesterday, Lord, I want you to use them for your kingdom. I know the price of what I'm praying, but Lord, at whatever cost, I want you to use my kids. Leonard Ravenhill's mom, the hour he was born, said, Lord, let him be a preacher or don't let him live. And to the day we live in now, he was one of the greatest preachers of all time. Why? Because a mom prayed, Lord, let him be used for your glory. I asked God, Lord, let justice be a voice of justice in her generation. I prayed a thousand times. Lord, I want my kids and I want my daughters to burn with the fire of God. I want my kids to lead a prayer movement that'll sweep the nation. I say, Lord, let journey reach millions of people for the glory of God. That's one of my kids, by the way. Lord, let my daughter Harvest be a part of one of the greatest end time harvests that will be swept into the kingdom before you return. I know that it might cost my kids their life, but this is my prayer. We have to begin to pray these stuff over our kids because hear me loud and clear tonight. If we don't begin to pray for our kids, the devil will begin to pray on our kids. Let me say that again so you can tweet it. If we don't begin to pray for our kids, the devil will begin to pray on our kids. If we don't begin to disciple our kids, their friends at school will disciple them. Their teachers will disciple them. I'm telling you right now, we have to be careful the things that we're saying and the things that we're praying and prophesying and decreeing over our kids. I've said it to you guys a thousand times. I want my kids to serve the Lord. I don't care if they graduate this. I don't care if they get a good job here. I don't care if they make a lot of money here. My only concern is, Lord, I want my kids to fulfill the assignment and the calling that you have on their life. Understand that Herod was harassing 
and trying to stop the move of God to gain favor with religious people and understand that there's many pastors and leaders even listening to me tonight that have tried to shut down the move of God in their churches because it made their religious people happy. Pastors want to shut down your fire because they know religious people tithe more than you and the religious people won't like it whenever you show up and start praying for people and start worshiping and being excited. So there's pastors that and listen to me loud and clear. I know there's a lot of pastors in here tonight. It's time that we stop quenching the fire and it's time that we start throwing gas on the fire. Most people, we don't pray for the sick in most churches because it makes people uncomfortable and we would rather have people comfortable, sick, and dying than uncomfortable, healthy, and on fire for God. This is why we don't cast demons out of people in the church because we'd rather have people bound to demons but comfortable in church than set free and delivered. But I'm telling you right now, what will the and this is what pastors say. What will the new people think? Oh, I felt like preaching in this in this office tonight. What will the new people think if they hear us praying in tongues? What will the new people think if our services go too long? What will they think if we do deliverances? What will the new people think if we start praying for the sick? What will the new people think if we start demonstrating the power of God? Hmm, maybe, pastor, the new people will actually think God is real and not just some trinket that we gather and worship for an hour once a week. What would happen if we started praying in tongues? What would happen if we started driving out demons? What would happen if you started, pastor? Why don't you, pastor, lead the charge and say, this morning, I'm going to stay in here until every person gets hands laid on them. I'm going to stay in here until every sick person gets healed. We're not going into the next service until every single one of you get prayer, until every single one of you encounter God, because I want people to know that God is real. What will the new people think? They'll think that God is alive and well, and that our church is not dead. I'm telling you, this is why all your pastors and friends say, why are you always listening and sharing Isaiah's video? Your pastor's going crazy because you share my videos. Why do they think you're cra- they're too crazy? You don't need to listen to him. You don't need to do all that because pastors in America would rather be popular than be big biblical, but I'm not interested in being popular with dead religious people or leaders. You can keep your dry, stale, compromising religion. I want the fire and the move of God. I want the anointing and the fire and the power. I want God to move in my generation. I have already tried lukewarm religion, and it makes me want to vomit like it makes God want to vomit. Understand that they were being persecuted because the religious people liked Herod because he had part Jew in him. And we need to stop catering to the tithers and the religious people that are spiritually dead and begin to cater to those that are on fire for the will and the word of God. I wish I had somebody in the chat that would go ahead and type one and say, Isaiah, we want presence over preference. We want to be in a place that believes in miracles. We want to be in a place that believes in signs and wonders. We want to be in a place that believes in the fire of God. It's time, and I know I'm bold for saying this, but it's okay. God called me, not you. It's time to exit dead churches. It's time to to get out of these dead churches and say, Lord, I need you to have your way in my generation. I need your power and I need your anointing and I need your fire. I'm done with this dead, dry, religious church. It's time for revival and awakening. It's time for the fire of God. It's time for the anointing of God. See, the Bible says, 
I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Now, Peter gets imprisoned, and Peter is now a believer in prison, and I see I see believers, and there's a lot of you in the ch chat tonight uh, that are in prison even right now. How many times do we see people in revival serving God, uh, and then all of a sudden imprisoned with fear, uh, imprisoned with worry, uh, imprisoned with anxiety, depression, and addiction, in revival, uh, going to church, but in prison in their mind, uh, and in prison in their soul, uh, praying for other people, but struggling yourself, uh, seeing God heal other people, but sick in your own body. Body, uh, preaching revival and awakening, uh, but sound asleep yourself. Uh, seeing God save families, uh, but your family is lost as you're seeing God do miracles. Uh, and some of you are like that tonight. The devil has locked you up like he locked up Peter in some prison cell. Uh, and you say, Isaiah, I feel like there's no escape. I feel like the walls are closing in. I get messages all the time. Isaiah, I don't know how much longer I can hang on. How many people have we seen the devil lock up in a prison cell, but I'm telling you tonight, I hear a prison break getting ready to happen. Tonight is a night where every prison door is going to begin to open up. Tonight is a night where the Peters are going to get set free. Some of you for years have been bound, but the Lord is saying tonight, Peter, I'm getting ready to open up your prison cell. Some of you have been bound for weeks, but tonight the Lord is saying that I'm getting ready to open up. If you've been in a prison of lust, I'm getting ready to set you free. Have you been in a prison of stress? I'm getting ready to set you free. If you come on, who am I preaching to tonight? Have you been in a prison of addiction? I'm getting ready to set you free. The Lord says, for this reason, I was made manifest to destroy the works of darkness. And the Lord, I hear the sound of freedom. I hear the sound of chains falling. I hear the sound of deliverance. God is getting ready to have his way. Now the Bible says that Peter was guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And you might read this story. Come on, share this. Please, please, please. Everybody right now, hit share. The bottom left, just hit share. Right now, you might think this is a bit overkill. Why would Herod put 16 guards to watch one disciple? I'll tell you why. It might seem overkill in the natural, but you got to understand the devil knows the man, what this man can do. Herod knows that this man has been healing the sick. This man has been driving out devils. These men have been turning cities upside down. Herod has seen the supernatural power of God. And so hear me tonight, the greater potential of the man, the greater assignment of the enemy. The Bible says in Jericho's walls were shut tightly because of the children of Israel. See the devil, this is the sad part. The devil believes in your destiny more than you do. The devil believes in your assignment more than you do. Understand the attacks and the assignments and everything the enemy's doing. You say, well, the enemy, it's what the enemy's doing in my life is a bit overkill. He's trying to squash me and discourage me. But the devil says, no, no, no. I'm only that crazy because I know your potential. See, the devil knows what's on the inside of you. The devil knows that there is a kingdom living on the inside of you. There is a kingdom that is explosive. There is a kingdom that is expansive. There is a kingdom that has power to set prisoners free. And the devil's trying to shut you down before 
before you realize your potential. You got to understand that you got to thank God that the enemy has launched an all-out war against you. It's because he knows what you're capable of. Also, let me give you one more point here. Herod knows that God has delivered the disciples before. Oh, come on, somebody help me preach up in this place. And Herod knows that if God has delivered them before, then God will do it again. And I came to tell somebody tonight that if God has delivered you before, he's going to deliver you again. I'm telling you, if God has healed your body once, he says, I'm going to heal your body again. If he's brought you out one time, he will bring you out another time. I know that you got saved and you don't think the blood works because you already got saved, but I came to tell you that the blood still has power. I came to tell you that the anointing still breaks the yoke. I came to tell you that the cross is not a subtraction sign, but the cross is a plus sign that God says, I'm working while you're resting. I'm moving while you're stagnant. I'm delivering you while you're in bondage. I'm getting ready to set somebody free. If you're willing, if you're desperate, and if you're hungry, you got to understand that there is freedom coming. How did Peter get free? Because the church began to pray. Understand that when Peter was in bondage, the church did not go on business as usual. When the church was in bondage, if you want me to go longer, just hit one because I could end it right here. But let me know if you want me to just go for about 10 more Pentecostal minutes. Come on, somebody. The church did not go on business as usual. The church did not have fundraisers during this time. The church did not continue going through the motions. When Peter got locked up, here's what we need to do as the body of Christ. When our brothers and sisters are in our churches in prison, we need to begin to pray. The Bible says, and the church began to pray. Understand that prayer moves the hand of God. Understand that prayer shakes the foundations of hell. Understand that prayer opens up the supernatural world. Uh, understand that prayer gives the angels the ability to make war and to fight for you. Uh, and the only thing that can change people's life is prayer. Uh, and it's the one thing the church hardly does. Uh, the American church, and I just want to apologize right here to the world, uh, because the American church has left the altars of prayer. Uh, the American church has walked out of the prayer room uh, so that they can go dine with the world. Uh, but the Lord is calling us back to the place of prayer. Where are those tonight that will cry out to me? Where are those that will pray? Where are those that will stand on the wall for their family, their marriage, and their community? When was the last time we called a prayer meeting so that we can see those in bondage get set free? When is the last time we had a prayer meeting that we said, we're going to go after families that are in prison? We're going to go after marriages that are in prison tonight. If we asked every one of us, do you have a family member unsaved? Everyone in the chat would raise their hand. And then if I said, well, how much time have you spent praying for them? All of us would say probably five minutes this week. And we are in delusion as believers. If we're expecting God to break people out of prison, if we're not willing to sow time in prayer, it's time for prayer to rise up in the church. When the church prays, miracles begin to happen. When the church prays, demons begin to run. When the church prays, freedom breaks out. When the church prays, families get restored. When 
the church prays, blind eyes get open. Uh, when the church prays, cities get transformed. I wish I was preaching to somebody tonight. Uh, when the church prays, the land gets healed. Uh, you got to realize that you're only listening to me tonight uh, because somebody prayed for you. Uh, you might think that you're up in this chat tonight by accident. Uh, you might feel confused or uncomfortable because you never listened to real preaching. Uh, but I'm telling you, it was prayer that drew you here. Uh, and tonight, prayer is going to be the thing that sets you free. Uh, prayer is going to be the thing that breaks you out. Uh, prayer is going to be the thing that delivers you. Uh, you're trying to get the destiny of God and you're trying to get around having prayer. Uh, you're trying to get around having a prayer meeting and getting in your prayer closet. Uh, but there is no alternative route. Uh, there is no substitute. Uh, there is no freeway exit. Uh, there is no overview or skipping or shortcut. Uh, the highest calling that you will ever have is being in the place of prayer. Uh, that you have power and authority to get in your prayer closet uh, and what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven uh, and what you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, I hear the sound of a prayer movement rising up in our generation. Uh, it's time for the church to get back to prayer. Uh, if your church doesn't have a prayer meeting, find a new church. I said it. If your church does not have a prayer meeting, it is time to find a new church because outside of prayer, people cannot get delivered because the Bible says, and the night before Peter's trial, something began to happen. Uh, here's what you need to understand about your God. I know you don't believe this, uh, and I know that we don't think this, and I've been trapped not believing this so many times, uh, but here's what I need you to get if you get nothing else tonight is that your God uh, is always on time. Uh, see, here's what the scholars say about this story that Herod uh, had planned to execute Peter the next day. Herod had plans to kill Peter the next day. And the Bible says that the night before God decides to step in, we don't know how long Peter has been there, but we do know that God shows up at the last minute. I wonder if there's anybody tonight that knows about the last minute God, when things seem hopeless, when they're you're, like your family's never going to be saved, like things are never going to change, like you feel like giving up and not even praying about it anymore. All of a sudden, God says, I'm a last minute God. I'm a God that is always on time. God knows what he's doing. Some of you have been praying and God says, I can't answer because it's not the right time yet. He knows when the best time to break into that family member's life. He knows when the best time to break into that marriage. And I'm telling somebody tonight, don't stop praying. Come on, share this tonight. Don't stop praying because you haven't seen anything happen. Our God is a God. God that shows up at the last minute. Our God is a God that shows up in the midnight hour. We serve a God that says, I will show up right on time every single time. I've heard countless stories of people saying on their deathbed, that a family member gets saved that they were praying for for years. You need to keep believing that our God is faithful, that he will not abandon us. I think about my aunt who's on the chat right now, my Nina who's in the chat right now, who was deaf in one ear, who had everybody pray for her. She was born without an inner eardrum. She was born deaf in one ear and she had everybody pray for her. She never got healed. But then about a week and a half or two weeks after we got saved, all of us began to pray for her. All the cousins got around her and began 
begin to pray and she God opened up her ears why did God not open up her ears all the years we had prayed before it's because it wasn't the right time and God knew that that healing in her ear was gonna spark our revival see God's ways are not our ways don't be confused by the timing of God don't be confused why you haven't got the job yet don't be confused why you haven't started the ministry or haven't had your breakthrough it is all in God's time the Bible says that while Peter was sleeping Peter had literally gotten so comfortable in his bondage he fell asleep he got comfortable being in prison and I know there's a lot of believers that are sleeping in prison they got comfortable being addicted to, to anxiety they got comfortable being addicted to drugs they got comfortable living in status quo they got comfortable being depressed all the time they got comfortable living watching porn every other night they got comfortable living their lives in the culture and the world they actually fell asleep in their bondage but the Bible says the angel came and struck Peter understand that when you are asleep or dead you don't need somebody to wake you up nicely some of you wonder why you're spiritually dead because you listen to too many nice pastors you don't need a nice sermon or a nice altar call you need somebody to do what the angel did to Peter and you need someone to smack you upside the head and say you need to wake up because the enemy is trying to execute you the enemy is trying to take your life and the enemy has a plan and if I don't smack you awake Peter you're going to die in this prison cell I love what the Bible says because in one touch the Bible says in all the chains fell off of his wrist and this is my story I was asleep I was in prison I was in a jail cell and one touch from God every chain I was bound in fell off it wasn't a 12-step program a process or or a gathering it was one touch from the angel of the Lord I wonder if there's anybody in the chat tonight that said all it took was one touch all it took was one encounter I'm telling you tonight maybe you're lost. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. Maybe you're hooked on porn pills or drugs. Maybe you're apathetic and dead asleep going to church. Maybe you're in prison in your finances or your job and you say, how long until I'm free? How long until I'm delivered? And I'm telling you one touch and every shackle is broken. I got touched. I got changed in one touch and I'm believing that God can break every chain in one touch. You got to understand there was guards in front of him. There was guards on the side of him. In fact, Peter was chained to guards. There was guards on the outside of the cell. There was guards all around. Humanly, it was impossible for him to be rescued. Herod made sure there was no way anyone can come and save him. But how many of you know when nobody else can come and save you? God says, I'm going to come and do it myself. When you're right in the middle of the enemy's camp, God says, I'm going to show up and I'm going to rescue you and I'm going to deliver you. The Bible says Peter followed the angel out of that cell and he thought the entire thing was a vision. He didn't even realize what God was doing. And some of you tonight don't realize what God is doing in your life. You don't realize that God is working in you. You don't realize the price of eternal life. You don't realize you can lay hands on the sick. You don't realize you have the opportunity to encounter a living God. I think if some of you are like 
like Peter and you don't really believe it. It's just too good to be true. But I came to tell somebody it's too good to be true. It's too real to be denied. What God wants to do, like I said in the very beginning of the stream, is so unbelievable. If somebody told you, you would not believe it. But God is getting ready to do an unbelievable, unusual, supernatural deliverance and miracle that you won't even believe. You won't even recognize what was happening. But then all of a sudden, Peter woke up and realized that it's true. I've been delivered. He says, the Lord saved me from what Herod planned to do to me. And I came to tell somebody, God has sent his son to save you from what the enemy had planned to do for you. See, most preachers don't talk about that. There's not just God's plan for your life, but there is the enemy's plan for your life. And I'm so grateful that God showed up in my life and stopped what the devil had planned for me. And tonight I came to tell the devil that we are going to stop what he has planned in your life tonight that God is going to squash and God is going to destroy every plan and every strategy and every vice of the enemy. Now, Peter gets back to the house that they were praying. And as they're praying for Peter, he walks through the door. I'm telling somebody as I close this out, get ready for God to bring that family member that you've been praying for back to the Lord. Get ready for God to heal that sickness that you've been praying for. Get ready for God to give you that deliverance that you've been praying for. You've been praying and you've been believing and you need to believe the answer when it shows up because Peter came to the door and they said it must be a ghost because they didn't even believe that God was going to answer their prayers. How many of you are guilty of praying prayers and not even believing that God would answer the prayers that you are praying? But I'm telling you, I hear faith arising right now. God says, I'm getting ready to answer some prayers. I'm getting ready to deliver some people. I'm getting ready to bring breakthrough right now in your life. Everybody right now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.